0: Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society, we had Mr. Maurice Chevalier, the fourth in town to do his annual end of the year. Whiskey Celebration. The final whiskey society of this decade. Maurice brought out some incredible treasures from his own personal collection, including the Nikka 17 Hodlings, the company that Maurice works for, is the original importer of Nikka Japanese whiskey to Southern California. He also brought in his annual infinity bottle. What's an infinity bottle? You have to check out the podcast to find out. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means, enjoy it with those you love, make friends with those you don't. Cheers to you, happy holidays, and happy new year from those of us here at the Spirit Guide Society podcast. Thank you, Maurice. Thank you. Ah, yes, yes. Oh, wow. Nice. That was a very excited slow clap. They're
1: not loaded, but they're registered. There we go. In California.
0: Your fingers are registered? Yeah. Deadly weapons, baby. Okay. That's another story. Oh, he'll tickle you to death. Welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. Thank you for coming out tonight. It's our last Whiskey Society of the decade. Of the decade. Oh. It's not that sad. I mean, we should be happy. I've been doing this for 10 years now. Yeah, Whew.
1: it's not sad because I've been waiting for this. The '20s. I'm gonna bring the Charleston oh. back. Right? Dun,
0: dun, dun, dun.
1: Waited hundred years for this moment. You, we, <laughs> not wow. me. Well, kind of.
0: <laughs> you were a yeah. little tiny baby when that dance <laughs> yeah. was popular. Exactly. Well, if you guys have not been around for our like end of the year tasting for the last five years, we've done. I this, think this is number five. Year. Yeah. This is Maurice Chevalier, the fourth from Hotellings.
1: Right,
0: San Francisco based to handle anchor distilling, but you guys also, you're a very unique company.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You guys import some products. You also have some products that are made here in the States. Give us a little background of Hotelings and, and your role in it, because it's changed over the years.
1: So it started 10 years ago in October. I hit my 10 year mark this year. So, I remember this was one of the first LA accounts that I did, and I had my little bag of, uh, at that point, it was Price Imports.
0: Price Imports?
1: So, Price Imports, we had all the crazy, weird stuff, the liqueurs and whiskeys. We had Duncan Taylor and Springbank and Glendronic, all that stuff.
0: Before anyone had ever heard of Glendronic or. Yeah, before it blew it up. You're
1: welcome, America. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And now Springbank, one of the most cherished brands out there, for sure. I love Springbank. I
1: miss it. But uh, it had that connection, that Campbelltown connection with Mr. Takatsuru. We we'll we talk about that uh, a little bit later. But anyway, I was, um, I was working for the broker for Price Imports. give you a quick thun- thumbnail sketch. And uh, I actually had an opportunity to come here with Henry Price, remember and we laid out on that rail probably 42 bottles of whiskey it was crazy and i remember i met you because you let us through the elevator and you, i think you had a mohawk that. i did have a mohawk he came and he was like shredding it's like i didn't know Maynard james keenan worked here yes he was exactly like him so um but yeah we did the quick run through and uh i'm this so when we do i get, get emotional sorry So when we do this uh, end of the year tasting, it's like a wrap for me for the year, but it always reinforces how much of a blessed man I am, and it's to kind of grow up here. um, Good bones, just good people, and then the holiday spirit, and what what better way to to have the holiday spirit than with a glass of whiskey, but I I digress. Anyway, so that's uh, Price Imports. We ended up merging with uh, Anchor Brewing and Distilling. So we did that for a couple of years. Sapporo purchased the brewing portion of Anchor. So since the brewing portion came first, they owned all the rights to the uh, name Anchor. So we're the distilling team, and we were trying to figure out a name. And uh, I was hoping, God, I hope they come up with a good name, not something cheesy like Golden Gate Distilling, because we wanted a connection with San Francisco. Bless. And then uh, a few months went by, and then when they... Um, Uh, Gave the announcement that we were going to be hodling and co. I'm like, oh It makes sense. So we have named our company after Anson Parsons Hodling who uh, up until right before Prohibition was the number one uh, uh, Best-selling most successful wine and spirit merchant on the west coast and his claim to fame is uh, he died in 1900 but six years later uh, his warehouse survived the Great Earthquake of 1906. And I'll give you a little bit more of that information as Which we chase one of Which also caused a
0: massive fire that pretty much burned down San Francisco.
1: Yeah, it's a little, some fun facts on that, <laughs> some fun facts on that. So, uh, speaking of that, are we, we're pouring the Olpechero first? Uh, yes. Looks like, excellent. So Olpechero is uh, an homage to where the distillery currently is. We will be moving our distillery to a pretty cool location that I can't tell you, but it's going to be in the heart of San Francisco. And it's really going to take us to the next level as far as experimentation and moving us forward as um, really leaders in the rye and high rye and whiskey category. Um, Old was a passion project by Fritz Maytag. Fritz Maytag was uh, the founder of Anchor Brewing and Distilling. So he saved Anchor steam. Anchor Brewery in 1965. He was studying at Harvard. This is Harvard. God, he would kill me for his Stanford. <laughs> and, uh, not
0: Harvard. <laughs> not not like Harvard
1: at all. We'll fix it in editing. Right? Yes. Like. Um,
0: <laughs> so, as Stanford, a student,
1: he would uh, get a burger and beer at a place that's still uh, on the campus or near the campus called uh, the Oasis. And the Oasis, he would get a burger. They have a great burger. And a glass of Anchor Steam. Now, he was really upset because sometimes he'd get a, this fresh, crisp glass of Anchor Steam. The next week he'd come in and it'd be sour and flat. And there was no consistency. So, what does a kid with the name Maytag do? Maytag meaning Maytag Blue Cheese, Maytag Appliances. You might have a little scratch to buy a brewery. So he decided to do that, and he really was the, the forebear of the craft beer movement in the United States. You always think that's in the mid to late 80s. He was actually the one that started that flag, uh, planted that flag, because Anchor Steam is a uh, true, one of the, uh, America's uh, craft beers. So he wasn't happy with that. He was still wondering, like, what's on the other end of that, uh, that mountain? And he said, why aren't there more like true traditional rye, like the old days america was actually we were technically built on rum but after there were some disagreements with the motherland we moved from rum to whiskey and rye was our heritage because it was pennsylvania ohio It's rye country and after the whiskey whiskey rebellion we moved south where you had an abundance of corn but is the backbone of american whiskey so he said, I want to bring back a traditional pot still rye, because there was only maybe like three out there um, in, the, in the 90s. And he just started, decided to make Old Pochorro. Three, so,
0: three ryes pretty much out there. Not not even pot still ryes, just like three ryes out yeah, of the market. Yeah, and
1: technically, uh, I'm probably going to butcher, the, is it Labatt and, Bro, and Bro, um, the guys that do Whitford Reserve? reserve. That's technically triple distilled, the but they were actually mothballed at the time. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of off, off there but we were traditional 100% pot still 100% malted rye not cut with anything and the brewing team really fell in love with that full-bodied malted component it coats your mouth it definitely is a session whiskey and it's completely on the other end of the spectrum of the traditional ryes that we think of as far as that mint uh grassy notes spicy notes so we have another rye that we just uh, imported and partnered with about a year and a half ago. So those will have, that's Lot 40. So Lot 40 is a traditional 100% unmalted rye. So I'm very blessed to work for a company that gives you both ends of the rye spectrum. So let's go ahead and uh, tuck into there. This is a craft whiskey. We throw the word craft around all the time. It is almost doesn't mean anything anymore. But this is... It's bottled, labeled, milled, fermented, distilled in San Francisco at our distillery. Uh, we use a local, uh, um, it's in uh, Wisconsin, Brees Malting, that was the supplier for all of Anchors, or majority of Anchors, uh, barley, rye, and grains for their beers. So we wanted to kind of keep that thread going. And uh, they've been around, I believe, they've been around about 117 years.
0: So what is this first mark called? This is the Old Potrero Old 18th Potrero, century? No, this is no. not
1: the 18th century. This is our Old Potrero straight rye. So uh, almost like a, a char four barrel, new American oak, and uh, aged 24 months, the, the, the barrels, the wood barrels. And uh, the age is four to four and a half years. All right, so All right. stick
0: your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you guys getting off of this Old Potrero rye here? What does it smell like, or what does it taste? Caramel, okay. Leather? Yeah. What else, what else? Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla, nice. Cornmeal and tobacco, beautiful. Tobacco,
1: leather, and cornmeal. Sounds like Mm. my childhood Mm. in Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily in that order.
0: (laughs) Right, ladies? (laughs) Oh, that's delicious. If I was gonna get a bottle of this from my home bar, what is it gonna run me? That's gonna be about 65 65 for the straight rack. For the straight rack, correct.
1: Uh, the pricing that I have for you is an aggregate from like Wine Searcher, and it's crazy how, uh, how it, uh, it goes up and down. Uh, after the tasting, let me know what area you are. We've got suggested retailers uh, that we'd like to point to. I know uh, some of you guys are in the Valley, South Bay. A few in Orange County, but we've got some preferred people that we'd love to send business their way.
0: Absolutely. You. So, you guys, I know that you're still relatively, by craft, you're still pretty small in terms of your output. Absolutely. How much straight right can you put out every year?
1: Let me get back to you on that, because it's, it's, it's going to change. Yeah, you're about uh, to scale up we're, massively. We're, we're going to scale up, but it's still going to be in the, I don't want to get a pissing contest about craft, or you guys aren't craft anymore. but. Like you guys,
0: I remember you guys ran out of you ran out of stocks some point last year for some time, didn't you?
1: That's good. That because of growth. That was actually a good thing. We were running out of stock, and we had a cult status uh, when I started, and that's because everything was being aged actually in the brewery. So wherever we had an empty closet, you could see three or four barrels stacked. Now everything is aged. We've upped our got it was at least like twenty percent the last few years uh, production. It's aged in America Canyon, which is right on the border of Napa. So you get some relatively cool winters, hot summers, and a nice consistent humidity there.
0: Beautiful, beautiful American whiskey. And that malted rye is a very unique flavor profile. It's really, really interesting. So Stephanie's coming around with the second mark again. We're going to be going through like eight marks tonight because Maurice brought out some stuff from his personal collection, which we'll get into very... Deeply here. So, What's the second one that Stephanie's coming around
1: with? This is the homage to Mr. Anson Parsons Hodeling. This is the Hodeling Rye. Now, this is not a straight rye. This is one hundred percent malted rye. So it's basically old Petrero that's been aged eleven years, as opposed to four and a half. Wow. And the barrels are once uh, are once used. So they had previously held old Petrero rye, which would have been very much
0: like the style. Long time ago, right? Long time ago,
1: yeah. Um, I believe this the this expression eleven year was a total of three barrels only that was released. Oh wow! So it'll be it'll uh, be between two and three barrels because we want it very 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 special. And, and this
0: is actually atypical to what the whiskeys that would have been drunk a couple hundred years ago, because most people weren't waiting eleven years to drink their whiskeys. They uh, actually a lot of the old Patrón stuff when you guys first were coming out. What was making it unique was that it was like really young. It was like two, yeah. two to four years. And right? that like, gets
1: back to the 18th century. So that's one thing to note. So if you see any old patrol that's 18th century, that's going to be two, two and a half years. And that's meant to mimic uh, rye as it was produced in Pennsylvania and Ohio. Because you're a Scotch or Irish or German farmer, you didn't have, you didn't have money. All right, These are the colonies. You know, We weren't in the United States yet. You, um, you had a barrel that probably had pickles in it or nails or whatever. So that's where you got the charring aspect of it because you went to burn that part out. Clean the barrel. But the barrel was basically to get it from point A to point B. So you had a bunch of rye in excess that you can only sell so much or produce so much. And you had two choices. Try and force feed yourself all that rye or watch it rot. As you uh, as you got up every morning so you distilled it you made it much more profitable and valuable it's not going to deteriorate and now you've got a
0: liquid form of currency yeah you've couldn't you've condensed and preserved, and preserved your base agricultural product, which is really important to a farmer in those days. It wasn't like you could just like put stuff into the refrigerator or something. You know, and that's
1: how you bought your bacon or your other necessities for the right. year.
0: So rye whiskey would have been the actual commerce of the old world. In lieu of actual paper script or paper money, People traded whiskey, even if you weren't a drinker, you still would use whiskey to trade. Like even Mennonites and religious people would still distill on their farms because that's how you got things done. That four to six
1: that's our sweet spot. So anything that's gonna be older than that, we'll probably use that as the hodling expression. And uh, the 18th century will always be a young expression. And what we, what we have with 18th century is a super, super cult following. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's, it's a big boy's rye. Because not only is it young, but the to- we basically have a toasted barrel. It's not a full char. So that interaction, that maceration, uh, maceration with the wood, you're getting more of those resiny notes because you don't have a full-blown char. So you're not getting all the interaction with the... Check this out. I learned some new words. Uh, cellulose and hemicellulose. Ah, very yeah. good. It Took yes. me 10 years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this is 11-year-old whiskey, much more like what we want to drink in the modern age. Nice aged fully matured whiskey, or what we would define it in the modern era as being fully matured. What are you guys getting off of this Old Petro 11-year-old rye whiskey here? Tari. Tari, I get a lot of, tar and brine, I'm getting a lot of stewed fruit, actually. It's really, really fruity to me. But the oak comes through really strong. What are you guys getting off of this? Figs. That's what I'm, you know, I'm getting like that kind of figgy, like stewed fruit, you know? Say again? Butterscotch, wow. I'm getting some citrus and chocolate as well.
1: One thing that I'd like to um, advise is always take some time for yourself to taste through. Um, One thing as a a rep in this industry for several years that I learned is uh, the power of suggestion is so, so strong. If I say bananas enough or banana nut bread, you, I'd say 85 to 90% of you are going to start, you're going to make yourself taste banana nut bread. As a rep, I must use my powers for good, <laughs> not evil. That's why I try, I always bite my tongue to say, because I, I don't like going to, I love going to tastings, but I don't like the guy that's got, you know, the ascot on and he's like, you're going to taste hints of Madagascar cinnamon followed by Saloon chocolate. You get that, right, all of you? Yes, yes, yes. I'm like, shut up, i mean taste tasting. I'm going to tell you what I taste. It's, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, it's the end of the year. I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> so do Slow
0: down. Slow down and enjoy. Let the whiskey talk to you. That's a gorgeous whiskey. Love it. And you said this was only a three barrel release, so extremely hard to get your hands on. So if you see it at your local liquor store, if you're into it, grab it because there's not that much to be had. Wow, really unique. But really, I get that oaky. It's also got a floral note. I get like a little bit of honeysuckle and lemon on the finish.
1: And then on the back end, banana and banana nut bread, right? Yeah. <laughs> right?
0: You get that?
1: Followed by Madagascar cinnamon. coco.
0: <laughs> so Stephanie's going to come around with the third mark. Please make it easy on her. Go ahead and try to have your glass either empty or you know, washed by, by the time she gets around here. This this was the old Patrol eleven year or, or what is it? I wish oh, you so, so it's
1: called the Hodelings. So it's old Petrole Hodelings. Hodelings, and when you get it, like you're not gonna sign, you're not gonna see any of it because it's like once it once it's gone, it's gone. Um, you'll see if it's available. It'll be some guy online charging you three times what it was.
0: Are you guys doing tours now at Hodelings in San Francisco? Can you? Do yeah, a that tour, tour? we do tour. we do tours.
1: It's, not, it's a super cramped space, so once you leave, you're like, man, they're not, they're not joking around. It is craft. So it's going to be completely different. The new, the new place that we have, I wish I could tell you the location. Uh, it's, in it's, gonna, it's in California. It's in San Francisco. Oh, there. You just told us. No, no, no. Like, we're <laughs> in San Francisco. So yeah, yeah. It's in a really cool historic place in San Francisco, but it's going to blow your mind. So Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, if you want to take a tour when you're in San Francisco, let us know. Uh, we'll get you the rent. It, like I said, it's really small. It's about the size of this room. Could you find, are big.
0: there certain things that you can, like distillery only, like in the gift shop, the distillery that you can't get anywhere else?
1: No. No. But we will have that. <laughs> uh, I'm giving you great ideas, No, boys. no, no, no. But we've got some things coming this summer that, again, that I can't, I'm not trying to be a tease, whiskey tease, rye tease, but we've got some things that are going to be some one-offs. Uh, we're going to have some... Um, Finishes like portwood, sherry, uh, sherry butt
0: finished, opaturo. Wow. wow. But
1: again, when you see those released, you got to jump on it. They're not, you know, two months, three months later, they're going to be gone.
0: And I always love tasting the opaturos because it's really unique among all the American distilleries. But of all the craft distilleries in America, I really think the Hooligans is creating some of the most unique marks out there, and they've been at the cutting edge of it. Now, they've been out for much longer than most of these smaller distillers that are coming up. Correct. So Things like these 11-year-old holdings that's something that a lot of these smaller distillers can't even hope to approach. They don't have anything close to 11 years old, you know? Beautiful stuff. So uh, Stephanie's coming around with the third mark. What okay. is this one? So the third mark, this is what I'm really excited about. So this is
1: the other end of our rye bookshelf. So this is Lot 40 Canadian rye. This is 100% unmalted. So for all the reasons that we like it at... at uh, at Hodling, that we like the uh, the malted. Dr. Don Livermore, who's the master blender, he's actually the master distiller, but he's, his expertise is in blending as well, uh, he likes the unmalted uh, aspects of that. So this is what we're going to get closer to what we traditionally think of as American rice. So you're going to get that spicy note, that spearmint, mm-hmm. uh, that bright aspect. And what we do is, as opposed to double pot still, like Opechurro, this is run once through a column still, and then once through a uh, pot still. And what's interesting, this was not by design, but uh, Dr. Dom was telling me that he was giving a tour, and this is in the uh, Hiram Walker distillery in Windsor. And, uh, Which is actually south of Detroit. South of Detroit. But it's in Canada, so check your maps, guys. It's actually... <laughs> The southernmost point in Canada, and people, what are you talking about? They like, cannot be right. And if you look at the map, it, Windsor, Ontario is the southernmost part of Canada. It's bizarre, a little and it, weird. It's a,
0: a very much a history of, in Prohibition, like a place where whiskey was coming into America underneath the river there. It's
1: crazy. Yep. Real easy to do. Um, what Dr. Don wants to do with that first distillation run in the column still is that's doing all the heavy work. So that's kind of your beer stripper, and that's uh, taking out a lot of those bad congeners and also the grassy and soapy notes from the rye. Then the pot, uh, pot distillation is amplifying the spice, and then also uh, at a different uh, boiling point, because he will add water, and you think that's counterintuitive, but it, he's a whiskey scientist. When you add reintroduce water, you've changed the uh, boiling point, and you're able to pinpoint certain congeners and esters that you want out and others that you want to remain in the distillate. Oh, wow! Uh, Dr. Don does come out. Um, this is kind of my, my tongue-in-cheek description of him. Most people in his field, whether it's uh, distilling, economics, food, he's got so much knowledge that you'd want to sit through a seminar with people that are, would be his counterparts, but not necessarily have a beer with him, because you'd be like, uh, you know. <laughs> he's so cool, so knowledgeable that you can actually have a couple of beers with him. And he's just very relatable. But uh, what I, he's got a, just piss and vinegar about the Canadian whiskey category because he knows the history. And he's got, a, he's got a chip on his shoulder in the sense that he says, we let other people define what Canadian whiskey was. And as Canadians, we, we let them do that. So now we've got a whole lot of work to bring back the history of Canadian rye, right. and a lot of people don't know that story, and it is absolutely fascinating. The next expression that we have, will get delve into a little bit of that history, but I love the fact that he is so passionate, not only about rye, but about history and bringing back uh, really Canadian whiskey to its glory days, which a lot of people have forgotten.
0: And about. they still make more of the most beautiful rye whiskeys than the rest of the world combined. So there's a lot of love to be had for Canadian rye. So st- stop talking shit on Canadian rye, guys. I hear yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, you got, yeah. Just, just be nice. All right, now stick your nose in that glass. I really think this Lot 40 is a very under-appreciated whiskey. What are you guys getting off of this Lot 40 here? Gingerbread. Gingerbread, yes, right? Toffee and thin Say again? Toffee and Thin Mints. Oh, yeah, toffee nice. and Thin Mints, nice. Juicy fruit gum. That's gorgeous. Are you guys, do you guys have a single
1: barrel program for the Lot 40 yet? Not an official program, but we can do that. And they do have a cast drink that if you've, you've tried it, it's a, it's an eye opener. It's it eye totally,
0: opener. I taste that gingerbread 100%. This would be excellent in some eggnog. Boom. Whoa. Sam. sand. Come on. The sand. Now you can see lot
1: 40 uh, compared to Opechar where you have your different cocktail applications as well. Uh, the same rye traditional rye cocktail would not. Some some would work, some would not, and they each have their own place as far as either sipping neat or uh, a cocktail application. Again, super blessed. This brings everything full full circle this this time of year. That when I get home, as a as a whiskey rep, as a spirits rep depending on my mood, I've got something in my cabinet that I can enjoy. So, Opechero for me is, I really start to tuck into that starting in September and now, this is my Opechero days. When it's hot, humid, nothing, nothing I crave more than Lot 40, because that's like my uh, aperitif of rye and whiskey. And uh, so I kind of use the analogy where Opechero has that, those deep notes, the funk, So Ope is the Bootsy Collins, if it was a, and then uh, Lot 40 is Eddie Van Halen. you got those high notes. Uh, Ah,
0: excellent excellent rock and roll references. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. I really love the Lot 40. So Stephanie's going to come around with our fourth mark. We'll keep on going because we have so much whiskey to get through tonight, thanks to Maurice. Now, Maurice, you've been with the company for 10 years now, and you've continued to move up. And and now you're just, like, on the road all the time. So what's your territory now, personally? You've, like, expanded in so many ways with your job.
1: Um, So I'm really fortunate. Uh, I get to travel and meet with our our reps, our brand development managers. And we've had a huge hiring spree within the last year. So I go out and kind of meet with them, work with them out on the road. And I've always, since I was a kid, I've always wanted to see what was on the other side of the mountain. I've I've, I've always had that wanderlust and love to travel and uh just to be able to see uh different parts of the country super super blessed and so the trip the education trip that we took to um to lot 40 and Gooderham and awards that we're trying now um it was my first time in detroit last year and um you know i think i mentioned uh the other time you've got cities that are on your bucket list and detroit was not on my bucket list it was like on another list that but rhymed with Bucket, yeah. Um, but I was blown away to see that creative destruction and to see uh, what's happening with Detroit. You know, no, there's still a lot of just comeback. like- Huge comeback. Huge comeback. And I don't know if it's be, it'll be another five years, 10 years, but Detroit's going to be back in its
0: glory days. I love Detroit. And it's there's amazing. that area that used to be, I know that when, during the recession, like that Corktown area yeah. there was kind of like- It was decimated by the recession. And now you're starting to see like bars are starting to come back a little bit. Great food scene, great cocktail scene. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's an American success
1: story. Yeah, really. Still still in the making. Definitely. So what we got going, let's go back to that Canadian history. What we have here is a cool little whiskey. This is Gooderham and Ward's Four Grain. Now, uh, going back to Canadian history, the people that actually built Canada were the whiskey barons because they were the ones paying taxes. So Hiram Walker, uh, James Gooderham, William Worts, those two gentlemen were brothers-in-law and they moved from uh, Great Britain to, or from England to Upper Canada, this was 1832. Now, the, the reason they went to Canada, they wanted to get into milling, to mill grain, flour, whatever was up there because Upper Canada at that time was you had this swath of just abundance of wheat rye, a little bit of corn, but also barley. Now they became so popular and so efficient in mealing uh, the corn, wheat, barley, and rye that the farmers would bring in uh, that they made too much of it. So again, just like the American uh, early colonists, what do you do when you have so much rye, so much wheat, so much barley? You can only sell so much. You can only make so much flour. You don't want to just sit there and look at it rot in the fields. So uh, they brought in a Riley still, which was kind of a precursor. It was was a variation of the uh, coffee still. So they brought in a Riley still and just started to uh, distill into low wine. So that's basically your first distillation run uh, from any of the scraps uh, that they had left over. So your rye wheat... Uh, barley and corn, and also the middlings. So the middlings was like the dross that was uh, shaken off That's, that also had some fermentable sugars in it. They would do one distillation run and then sell that to local fur traders, farmers, merchants uh, during the day. And their blend became so popular that they, a few years later, they decided to do a double distillation run and they actually greatly improved the quality of it. So here's what's weird. 1832, they move over. They become millers in uh, in Toronto. Within, I'd say, 20 years, by 1877, Gooderham and Wartz was the largest distillery, not only in North America, but in the world. Wow. And most people donate Gooderham and Wartz. Yeah, I'll, I'll grab the bottle. They're yeah. two of the original uh, whiskey barons of Canada. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Guterham, so G-O-O-D-E-R-H-I-M and Warts, W-O-R-T-S. And Warts would, that was somebody's name, or we're talking about that's what you make your beer, is your wort, right?
1: That's his name. It's kind of a He
0: was named weird. after beer. Named after beer, yeah. Wow. So the biggest distillery in the world that you've never heard of, right? Gooderham and Warts. What
1: are the four the- grains? That's a great question. Yeah. The four grains used in this... Barley, wheat, corn, and rye. Wait for it, this is gonna get good. Now, with Canadian whiskey, everything is distilled and aged separately. So here we go, we're going on a little ride. buckle up. The corn is double distilled, set aside and aged separately. The wheat, barley, and rye is both column distilled, that's set aside in aged separately, and then pot distilled, and that's set aside in aged separately. That's where Dr. Don gets the work as the master blender. And so he'll take all those age statements and then blend it to get what you're tasting here. What's the average age? Hey, listen, <laughs> it's a great question. Don't get, what's the average age?
0: <laughs> well, what's the average age?
1: Let's take our American hats off, but our Canadian hats off, even though Men Without Hats is a Canadian. Eh? Sorry. It's all about the taste and flavor profile. So everything's aged in Windsor, Ontario, right? That area, that Great Lakes area, is the number one per capita uh, area for thunderstorms. In North America, so what that means is, in Pike Creek, Canada, where we age all of the Canadian whiskey, our Canadian whiskey, super super arctic winters, almost subtropical summers. So when I went to Pike Creek and uh, visited the warehouse, they have barrels that are less than three years old, where the state, or excuse me, the uh, metal hoops are already rusting because of the amount of condensation. They have to open the doors three hours before you can come in. Because if you were to immediately walk in, you would take maybe eight steps and then have the best death of your entire life. There's that much. That's how I want to go, right? You
0: can only do that so many
1: times, guys. Yeah. So I say that to say this. Let's sometimes, and we're getting a little bit better with the whole age statement thing. It's actually, in this case, it's doing you a disservice to put an arbitrary age on it because it's not gonna be the same whiskey year in and year out. It's up to the nose and the mouth and the sensory uh, olfactory senses of Dr. Don to make sure that you have this damn good Canadian whiskey.
0: So what are you guys getting as you stick your nose in that glass? The Gooderham and Warts four grain whiskey. Is this available in Southern California? Absolutely. It's been out a couple of months, yeah. Wow, so I've never tried it. Maybe a lot of you haven't tried it either. So, a new beautiful four grain whiskey to the Southern California market. What are you guys getting? Cinnamon toast, wheat, lemon. Lemon? Yeah, I get lemon. lemon. Okay. Okay. What else are you guys getting? Cinnamon toast? Nice. Caramelized onion. Caramelized onion. Nice. So, Maurice, that's delicious. What is the bottle price on the Gooderham? And, uh, and bottle
1: price for Gooderham is 40 bucks. Wow. Really unique and really beautiful. Absolutely. Well, that's delicious. Uh, anybody on whiskey, uh, whiskeygram, Instagram? He's a CDM. Uh, I believe it's CDM Whiskey Doctor. If you want to follow oh, Doctor yeah. Do, do that. And Maurice, if you've ever if you've ever checked out Maurice's Instagram, it's a lot of fun. What's your tag? M, and then my last name C H E, V A L, I E R, and then I and V for the fourth. Maurice By the time Chahana you do MCH, it pops up. Yeah, M Chevalier IV.
0: Check it out. He's got a lot of his whiskey travels up there, so it's a ton of fun to follow. Yeah. So now we're jumping off continent. So now we're going to go to
1: Ireland. So this is going to be Dingle Distillery. Uh, we partnered with Dingle, uh, heading into our second year. It is what they call the first purpose-built distillery in Ireland in over a hundred years. So, uh, I believe it was 2012 was when the first new make came off the still, and I would say in less than 90 days after that, you had all these new distilleries popping up in Ireland. And it still blows me away, I still can't comprehend that up until that point, all
0: the whiskey coming out of Ireland was basically three, like three or four distilleries, right? Three or four distilleries, yeah. Yeah. Irish Distillers Limited was was the consolidation of the entire Irish whiskey business. In order to preserve it, because they were getting crushed due to lack of demand. Absolutely. So they consolidated.
1: So Dingle, they do a traditional Irish pot still, and this is their single malt. So I'm going to blast through this real quick, because I want to make sure I give uh, the people involved their, uh, their props. This was a passion project of all, the late, great Oliver Hughes that uh, passed away about two years ago. He was, uh, I like to, like to consider, like the Fritz Maytag of Ireland. He started the Porterhouse Brewing Company. And uh, there's a Porterhouse Brewing Company in, um, in New York. Uh, I don't know if there's any other ones in the U.S., but there's one in New York that's on the same block as Dead Rabbit, and then they have some other uh, properties there. But Oliver Hughes was like Fritz, and he goes, I want to I bring more beers, like craft, robust, nuanced beers to Ireland. And you, you can imagine the crap he got. Like, Oliver, what are you doing? You're daft. We got Guinness. That's all we need, right? But he took everything, everything just said it was going to fail. But he invested, he had the passion, and his passion paid off, where it it basically gave Guinness a run for its money. It's like one of the most successful breweries in Ireland. So he parlayed that success into Dingle. So in 2012, the first uh, uh, new make came off the still. This is in Dingle, Ireland, so it's one of the most uh, western parts in, uh, in Europe. They say the most western, but I think, like, Iceland might, might have something to say about that. Anyway, but you know, we, we know where we're getting at that. So very unique environment for the maturation, very subtle, a lot of maritime influence. It would be very similar to Campbelltown. Oh, really? Like, a, uh, like our spring bank. So you do get some maritime influence uh, on the barrels. What you're tasting is the, the latest incarnation. This is batch four that's had bourbon port and sherry wood finished on it to give it a but little. There's,
0: there's no peat on this whiskey, right? No
1: peat on it. OK. Uh, all the barley is sourced locally within 100 miles. The water super pure. It's in a, a deep water well directly beneath, uh, beneath the distillery, about 240 feet. And uh, here's the main thing you need to know about jingle. About this is about using your mentorships and just saying they could have easily just bought a still and just started firing up the still and making whiskey. They said, no, this is a new venture for us. Let's, let's surround ourselves our with successful people. So they hired somebody to come and not only uh, consult with the distillery, but also build their stills. This gentleman's named Mr. John McDougall. John McDougall is a whiskey legend in Scotland. He's the only—I'm sure he's the only person, but he, I think he's the only person alive that has managed a distillery or consulted for a distillery in all the recognized uh, regions in Scotland. Probably a good guy to have on your on your <laughs> payroll, right? He
0: knows a little something about distillation. A
1: little something, something. Now, Dingle is triple distilled, an old Irish, old Irish style. Each still. Uh, has a purpose. So we have our wash still, our intermediate still, and our spirit still. The wash and intermediate still, Mr. McDougall made sure they had uh, uh, an onion ball or a reflex ball because he wanted the maximum amount of contact, the spirit, to have contact with copper. Copper is our friend. Uh, It strips away all that sulfur, the sulfur oxide, all the bad congeners we don't want. So that first wash still is doing a lot of your heavy work. That's just basically separating your, you know, your four shots, feints, heads and tails. That immediately goes into your intermediate still. That does a lot of your uh, mid-level work where you can kind of concentrate on where you want your hearts. That makes Zero sense. in on that point. And then we put it in the spirit still. So your spirit still is basically your spit shine. That just, that any rough edges that are left that's what the spirit still uh, takes away. The final result is a silky smooth distillate that's aged in Dingle, Ireland. Uh, it's young. It's about seven years. I think it's this one's seven years old. I really believe once we get to the 10-year mark, this is going to be just an absolute stunner.
0: So. so let's get into it. Stick your nose in that glass. Breathe in chilly through your mouth. What are you guys getting off of this Dingle Irish whiskey? Barnyard. Nice. What else? Peach cobbler. Wow, I get a. There is a maritime aspect. I get a salinity on the nose, like there's minerals, you know. What's the What's the dingle? The dingle running at my local liquor store.
1: Okay, the dingle is. Okay, it's new. It's super craft. It's not the least expensive whiskey on there, so it's going to run about ninety bucks and up, because it's it's super limited. The price will gradually come down, but we get about two shipments a year on wow. that. So just so you know, you know, we're in that that higher echelon price point. That's why I want to make sure that you all knew everything that went involved that, that was involved in the making of this. And they still do everything old world, uh, hand mashed, uh, wooden mash uh, mash tunes, oh, wash uh, fermenters, fermenter, yeah. fermenters, and everything's done by hand. What's the ABV? Uh, it's
0: eighty. 86? 86 proof.
1: Okay, so you guys are all familiar with Cabellon, are most of you. This is, um, the one issue we had with Cabellon is, uh, again, they weren't amazing whiskeys. They turned the whiskey world up on its head by producing four, four four-and-a-half-year-old whiskeys that if you blind tasted it, the youngest, it would taste like 12 or or higher because of that accelerated uh, maceration. Just like Oliver Hughes employed the services of John McDougal. Uh, Ian Ching, the master distiller at Cavalon, he did, you know, he could have easily just contracted, a, uh, bought a still, uh, and tried to make whiskey, but he knew he needed a mentor. So that mentor was uh, Mr. Dr. Jim Swan, who unfortunately passed away as well a few years ago. But Dr. Swan came in, and he uh, basically taught them everything that could go wrong with aging, whiskey and sherry barrels, particularly or port barrels in that hot, humid environment in Taiwan. So it it all came down to the right pH balance, the right amount of congeners. He broke everything down to a science and Ian Chang was transformed. That was his mentor. And whenever you have a conversation with Ian, he comes out about twice a year to the United States. You cannot have a conversation without him mentioning uh, Dr. Jim Swan. And that's one of the things, like, always find a mentor, always uh, surround yourself yourself with successful people. Cavalon, again, was the first distillery in Taiwan. Opened up, uh, was built in 2005. First liquid came off the still in 2008. So what you're having here is this kind of a really good entry level. Uh, comes in at about 60 bucks. It's meant to be enjoyed neat and also a cocktail application. So this which which of the Cavalon is this? Yeah, no expert. Yeah. Which of the is the Cavalon? This is the newest expression, Distillery Select.
0: So Cavalon Distillery Select from Taiwan, where they really know a lot about whiskey because per capita, the Taiwanese drink more whiskey than anybody else in the world. It is. That's saying something. So what what are you guys getting off of this Taiwanese beautiful Cavalon? Whiskey here, the the Reserve. The sherry, yeah, the sherry, yeah, the sherry comes through really strong. Dark cherry, what? Honeyed pork. Honeyed pork, wow. What did you say, Kim? Prunes on the nose. Stewed prunes Stewed prunes. Well, I, this has a certain rubberiness to it, too. The Cavalon, like, it's got an intense, like, phenolic something on the nose. And that's coming from those different castes. There's no age statement on this reserve, right?
1: No, so in anything with a you're about four, four and a half years. Uh, you can't really... Extend after that because you'll get too much tannins in the wood because the maturation process it, it's is super, so humid and super humid
0: there Super humid super hot super hot and the the actual rack houses are in an urban environment They're not like out in the country. So there's a lot of cement It's, it's a very very hot place to be trying to in the Elon whiskeys. Valley yeah. The Elon Valley Wow yeah.
1: she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna punch me in the face. I want to do something real quick I love this opportunity every year to meet with you guys I always want to make sure something special so I'm gonna play something real quick. What's in my sack? Ooh! Just uh, pull something.
0: Uh. Hand. He's gonna pull it up. Oh! Oh, wow. oh yeah! Oh! Wow! Oh. 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 Wow! Are you mad at wow. me? <laughs> the Nika Seventeen! Oh. Wow! And this is a full bottle. Thank you so much for this, Maurice. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. It's all right. I'm we'll do this winner. <laughs> there is a fire exit. I could run like hell right now. No, oh, no, no.
1: Listen, I wanted, I wanted to share this with you to, to bring home the, the holiday vibe. Something happened. That was supposed to be part of my 401k plan. That was actually an unopened <laughs> bottle. <laughs> We had a, uh, a party for my niece who had uh, graduated high school and going to college. So we had everybody together and everybody digs come to my house for some reason, having a party. <laughs> I don't know, for some strange reason. And uh, I had a cousin that came by and I'm trying to make sure everybody's happy. And he wanted to be, he had a little too much, but he wanted to be part of the group, the whiskey group. So unbeknownst to me, he's following my wife around saying, what are those guys drinking? What's what's mo drinking what's what's this and that so she goes would you like something to drink would you like a whiskey he goes yeah so she went in my little secret compartment that she knew there was whiskey in there she didn't know why i had whiskey in there and then i'm walking around and i see this open bottle of nika 17. and i almost went through the roof (laughs) however that gave me the opportunity to practice forgiveness (laughs) So the divorce is final and I forgive her. Sorry. I'm joking, honey. I'm joking. I love you. So But I wanted to listen, I can sit there and hog it up. I want to share it with you. Please enjoy. It is one of my favorites. Thank, Thank you,
0: Maurice. So Stephanie's coming around with the Nika 17 from Maurice's personal collection at home. Clean out a glass, make it easier on her guys. Amazing stuff. So that Kavalon, going back to the Kavalon, like really amazing stuff. I really think that that Taiwanese whiskey is going to win best whiskey in the world in the next five years. I think some of what they're doing is like absolutely some of the best stuff. It took, it took people,
1: you know, a couple of years to get their head around it. Like what does Taiwan know about whiskey? But you remember uh, about 12, 13 years ago, they were saying the same thing about Japanese
0: whiskey. That's right. Right? I really think it's going to be... The whiskey of the future. So on that Cavalon, what's it, it's called the special dist- Distillery Select. Distillery Select, Cavalon Distillery Select. The
1: barrels are ex bourbon barrels that have been used. They haven't been recharged, they haven't been retoasted. They've been used at least three times. So uh, they're giving you more of the creamy aspects and you're not getting excess tannins from the wood. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And what's the bottle price on the, the Distillery Select? Uh, Distillery Select's about uh, 55 to 60 depending on- Wow. Yeah. The uh, Camelon the Distillery Select. That was yeah. what
0: you just tasted. Now, Stephanie's coming around with the Nika 17. Priceless. Priceless, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So of course, so the Wednesday story- party, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's not going to be fun because everything's going to be under lock and key at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that Hodling's company has really built their name in is bringing in this whiskey, Nika. Like, you guys were the first importers of Nika in of Nika. Southern California. Yeah. And uh, what I think, I
1: think it was a, I'm kind of a mystic, spiritual guy mystic, but I, I believe that wasn't an accident because if you look at, what Mr. A.P. Hodling did uh, in 1852. He left New York, he had a wanderlust, and he left New York and went to San Francisco. Originally, he wanted to mine for gold and be part of that gold rush. Uh, He was on a ship called the Racehound, so it went all the way around the Horn that uh, wasn't, there was not a Panama Canal at that point. The ship stopped in Valparaiso, Chile, which should be San Francisco's sister city. It looks exactly the same, it's very beautiful. He decided to pan for gold a little bit there and fell in love with the people, the food, the women, and he almost stopped there and created a life there. But he said, no, I'm going to stay true to my path, went to San Francisco, went out into the mining fields, and like most of the 49ers at that time, it took about three months to go, eh, I'm good. So he moved back to Buena Vista, which is now San Francisco, became a clerk, ended up buying out the clerk that hired him. And within about eight years, became the largest wine and spirit merchant in, uh, in the United States. So we like to embody that spirit. And it's the same spirit that Mr. Takatsuru uh, had. Think about it. 1918, I'm, gonna go to, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving Japan. I'm going to go to Scotland and learn how to make whiskey. Can you imagine how many people said, you're absolutely insane? And then come back with a Scottish wife? Miss Rita Takatsuru, I'm gonna give yes. a shout out. Yeah. Whose birthday was last Saturday, oh. the mother of Japanese whiskey. That's cheers for right. her. Yeah. yeah, cheers to Rita. So don't let anybody there's worlds full of haters, worlds full of haters. This time <laughs> next year, when we have this time next year, who knows what state this country's gonna be in? This country's gonna tear itself apart. <laughs> All right. Don't be part of that problem, be part of the solution. Alright, have a glass of wine a glass of whiskey, relax, chill out, put the Twitter machine down, listen. You got two of these, one of these. Let's use them in direct proportion. And everything's
0: gonna be alright. That's right. All right, that's right. Well, thank you, Maurice, for that Nika 17. My Again, pleasure. Thank cheers you. to all of you. Thank you. Thank you for the last 10 years here in Whiskey Society. You're welcome. Thank an amazing, you, guys. It's we, We're still gonna yeah. we're still gonna get into one more taster here, but I, on behalf of everyone here at Seven Grand and Stephanie, and myself, all the staff here in the Bar Jack Club, thank you for your continued support for what we're trying to do here. Whiskey for the people. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Maurice. Mm-hmm. Wow, that Nika 17, one of the best wins in the world. Crazy. Maria, you got to get in on some of that. Maurice just passed around <laughs> the bottle of the Nika 17. Watch out, Maria will take the rest. It's like... On the Nika 17, if you can find it, how much is still out there?
1: If you see it, again, it's some guy selling you the Pappy Van Winkle he was able to get, right? So it's when you see we get it twice a year... Uh, we put out a press release letting everybody know um, it's it's literally gone within a month I mean that's l- less than a month when it's out twice a year we'll have the 17 and the 21 that we get released the 12 years not coming back for probably another 12 years but we brought in the Takatsuro pure malt so again this is a this is a shout out to the blending team of Nika because if you blind taste most people with the non-age statement and the old 12, they're almost indistinguishable. Because again, we're not getting hung up on an age. It's on, you're your blending different lots. So maybe I got a little 18 here, some yeah. 15, some three-year-old to mimic that. And that's really what Mr. Takatsuru was trying to do because up until that point, the Japanese were making a neutral grain spirit and per- adding perfumes and incense and things to mimic that magical time, uh, the treaty at Kanagawa. When we, uh, when we feasted and opened up two bases and traded with the Japanese and the J- Japan was actually open for business, uh, we had, uh, I think it was like a total of four barrels of whiskey that were supposed to go to the emperor. The emperor never saw that whiskey. It was, <laughs> it was consumed at the tr- during the Treaty of Kanagawa. And I have these lovely little uh, photos that were done by sailor U.S. sailors that were there. And it's drunk sumo wrestlers like tumbling <laughs> the American sailors and throwing them up in the air. It's hilarious, but it's actually uh, these little wood carvings that they oh, did. I love so it. I love it. But whiskey in Japan goes way, way back.
0: And what is this next thing that Stephanie's going to bring around here? OK, real quickly.
1: <clears throat> when, before I got into the industry, I was in promotional advertising. And every October for about four years, I would have a party for my clients, my really good clients, where we would do a whiskey tasting, and I'd cook food for them. And I called it Scotchtoberfest. So I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, like this feels right to me. Let's. Let's uh, have some whiskey. Three of my clients were part of the St. Andrew Society. So that's all about the Scottish heraldry and what have you. So they would come to my house in full kilt. So the first time I had my Scotchtoberfest, my wife opens the door. She's like, what the hell is going on here? So I'm like, oh, no, no, that's, that's Chris. Chris, i bring him in. The third year, I was grabbing uh, a <laughs> bottle of wine. For my wife's best friend at High Times Liquor in Costa Mesa. If you haven't been, if you're in Orange County, you got to go to High Times. Uh, there was a gentleman repping Talisker at the time, and he was in full kilt. And I was walking by. I'm like, God, I'm gonna try me some Talisker. And he goes, Hey, we ever had Talisker? And I'm like, Yeah, but I could get home real quick. And I'm like, Here's the deal. Here's my card. Can I please call you? Cause I'd love your expertise. Like I've had Talisker. I'm a big fan. But he goes, Yeah, give me. Here's my card too. So I called him the next week, and I said, hey, I met you at High Times. I'm having a a little thing I called Scotchtoberfest. He's like, oh, that's great. And I was like, I was wondering, can you give me some pointers? And he's like, well, what what day is it? I'm like, it's Saturday, like two weeks from now. He's like, hey, I can come by, do a tasting for you. That was Mr. Rick Edwards. Ah. (laughs) So Rick came by and did a full-blown tasting. Uh, blew my clients away and at the end we were talking and he said yeah it's like uh, at the end of each month I've got leftover whiskey and typically what I'll do is I'll mash everything all my single malts together and I'll just have it at the house so when I have friends coming coming over I just pour it for them and they're like oh this is the best blend I've ever had I'm like that's amazing so with his inspiration that little that was like the little spark where Long story short, I ended up getting into this industry. I always had that in the back of my head. So working for Price Imports and Anchor Distilling and Hodling, I've gone through a lot of different whiskeys. And whenever I had like at least an ounce or so, I just put it in that little infinity blend and ended up having a big vat of it. So what's different from last year's is that I wanted to make this in a true uh, expression of a, of a blend this is exactly 50% Nika coffee grain. The remainder is uh, what's on that sheet there. And that's not even a complete. That's when I started writing it down. So there's probably like there's probably like 20 other malts and grains in there. So
0: you're gonna need a magnifying glass. So Stephanie's passed around list here. That is a list of all the whiskeys that are in this infinity bottle. There's at least 60 or 70 whiskeys on that page. So, some of Maurice's infinity bottle for 2019 to launch us into the new decade, amazing. What, what I
1: found is the, the science of blending, again, your grain whiskeys, uh, and again, this is, this is uh, another shout out to Nika, the coffee still, until the coffee grain and coffee malt came out, people were like, I don't have time for grain whiskey. Grain whiskeys are amazing. However, with grain whiskies in your blend, that is your palate. That is your blank canvas that allows any malt to express itself. Again, if it's all malt, last year it was all Bootsy Collins. I love Bootsy Collins, but not eight hours of them. I need a little Eddie Van Halen, right? I need a little solo, right? So that grain whiskey is letting Eddie have a little, little part of it but still we got that backbone, that that malt backbone.
0: Well you guys, so our final Whiskey Society of the year and the decade, cheers to you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you guys. Thank you to Marie Chevalier the fourth for sharing this infinity body. Good health, happy holidays to all of you. Thank you for coming be up safe, for Whiskey Society tonight. Be safe, remember use these next
1: year. Use this a little bit. Um, Don't listen to all the blue check marks. Be good to one another. That's it. 2020. Cheers. Cheers. Thank
0: you, Maurice. Yes. (laughs) Cheers, all of you. Here we go. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide Soc. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more.